Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1 with It's For Women, the car insurance with extra benefits like personal accident cover. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1 with It's For Women, the car insurance with extra benefits like personal accident cover. there and you're very welcome to the programme. Well, coming up in the next hour, as the dust settles on the elections in Northern Ireland, we'll speak with award-winning writer and novelist Glenn Patterson about what it all means and the likelihood as a result of a border poll and a united Ireland. Also this morning, best-selling author John Connell's final instalment in his Longford trilogy, A Rich River Journey, as told in his new book, The Stream of Everything. And we'll have music and chat from multi-award-winning songwriter and producer Mark Caplice. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything featured on the show. You can text us to 51551. You can email Miriam at rt.ie or you can tweet at Miriam O'Cal. Well, my first guest this morning, who is one of Ireland's best-known novelists, recently published his book, The Last Irish Question, Will Six into 26 Ever Go?, in which he examined the level of preparedness and enthusiasm for a united Ireland on this island as a whole. Now, following the weekend's historic election result in Northern Ireland, where Sinn Féin emerged as the largest party and which will likely see Michelle O'Neill as First Minister, should a new executive be formed, where does this now leave the likelihood of a border poll and a united Ireland. Well, Professor Glenn Patterson is director of the Seamus Heaney Centre in Queen's University, Belfast, and he joins me now from Belfast. Morning, Glenn. Good morning. How Thanks. are you? Very good. Thanks so much for joining us. Look, it makes your book look very prescient. Thanks very much, Thanks very much for the professor, by the way. <laughs> which, uh, don't, I don't, often, don't often get or even uh, feel like I deserve, but thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. No, you absolutely deserve it. Listen, first of all, Glenn, put your novelist's eye on this. What's your response to the weekend's election result? Uh, with a, a novelist eye, it's a bit harder. We, we tend to take the longer view there. Um, I, I can tell you that I was in Belfast city centre yesterday afternoon and uh, walking around and thinking, well, you would hardly know uh, from looking or from the way people are uh, going about their their business in the in the time that uh, anything much had changed. And to an extent, nothing much has changed. Uh, the top two parties are still Sinn Féin and the DUP. Uh, of course, Sinn Féin is now the, the largest party, but those two parties have been uh, in power, uh, have been at the top of the executive since 2007, uh, in those uh, years that they've actually sat there, having been elected to the executive. Uh, and uh, following this election, they're still going to be the ones providing the first and deputy first minister posts. Uh, the first and deputy first minister posts, of course, are joint minister posts. Uh, it was always in the interest of the unionists that they would uh, emphasise the first minister when they held it and uh, now it's Sinn Féin's turn to emphasise first minister given that they're going to hold it but essentially we have uh, the duopoly back again. But I suppose the significance isn't it Glenn is that for the first time a nationalist would in theory be running 
Northern Ireland. In other words, I know First and Deputy are equal, Glenn, but it's the symbolic yeah. significance as so much yeah, as Yeah, I think is. it's, this, it, it, you're right, it is the symbolic and it's, it's uh, and a nationalist has been running, Sinn Féin have been running with the DUP. They have been at the head of the executive um, and, uh, and can I just say, by the way, you know, in a normal electoral system, you should always have the hope and the expectation that you can emerge victorious, that the party that you vote for can be the largest party. That's the way it should go. It's the way it should always have been here. Uh, it's the way it should be everywhere. And by the same token, you should always also know what it feels like not to win and to look again at your policies and think, well, how do we win the next time? That's the way it goes. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I absolutely, yes, it's, it is the fact that Sinn Féin have 27 seats to the DUP's 25 this time out instead of 28 DUP to 27 Sinn Féin the last time is hugely, hugely important symbolically. But practically, it is as it was that uh, Sinn Féin have been um, at the head of the executive here and therefore, and you know, to use that word running, they've been running this place with the DUP since uh, since 2007. So do you think it will change much, Glenn? I mean, you've, you're from there, you've grown up in the north all of your life. Do you think it will change much? Somebody was pointing out this morning that, you know, it's still more or less 40% nationalist, 40% union support. I suppose the difference maybe is the alliance there, that there has yeah. been some growth in the middle ground. Yeah, and so, I mean, I, 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 um, I, I believe uh, absolutely in the sanctity and the secrecy of the ballot box. Um, I live in East Belfast. Um, I'm still in the very still quite rare um, uh, position of uh, having cast a vote that actually counts. Um, so, I've, you know, in, in many ways, this is a, a, an election um, that has been very good in the part of the city that I live in. Uh, the Alliance has made great gains. Its its vote is up by 4.5%. Um, so they're, I think they're over 13% now of first preference votes. Um, and they have been steadily, steadily growing. The DUP's vote is down more than 6.5%. Uh, so that's, that's huge. The number of seats that Alliance has gained, they're up, I think they're nine seats that they're mm. up on the last election. Um, I, I, my only caution there is that uh, a lot of the votes that the DUP lost didn't go to, uh, they're, they're not the votes that the Alliance Party picked up, although there may have been some that went directly from the DUP to Alliance. The majority of votes that the DUP lost went to traditional unionist vote, voice, voice, voice mm -hmm. uh, party led by Jim Allister, a party that many people thought was just Jim Allister. It was a traditional unionist lo lone voice for a long while. Uh, but their vote rose by over 5%. Um, they are uh, a harder line unionist party than the DUP. Uh, that didn't translate into uh, seats. There's still only Jim Allister returned for the TUV, but they're, they're polling around about 7.5%, you know, just 1.5% a, a below the SDLP. So that's a you know that that I think if you if you combine that vote with the DUP's vote, uh, that still shows that there's a significant um, a significant unionist vote of the harder line kind uh, that would be um, you know that fought this election on getting rid of the Northern Irish Protocol um, and uh, and you know would very much be um, a pro Brexit party and uh, and very much uh, um, a Harder, harder line unionist party, as I say. 
And to personalise a bit, Len, because I know you from interviewing you before, but I mean, I think it's correct to say you were born a Belfast Presbyterian. You're married to yeah. a Cork Catholic. That's right. Right. Yeah. So in other words, you're you're very interesting because you, you straddle, <laughs> you know, both parts of this yeah. island. I mean... Thank oh, God for the words that came after straddle there. I was just fearing <laughs> for you, Miriam. I was fearing for myself. But um, yeah, but you know what? I mean, I, I, I think I think maybe, you know, it's 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 not so unusual. And uh, I had a, a number of years ago, I wrote a book uh, about my grandparents mm. um, who, who, you know, in the early 1920s um, in, uh, in Lisburn in, in County Antrim uh, and discovered that uh, my Plymouth brethren grandfather um, uh, was married to uh, I didn't know this um, a, a Catholic. My grandmother was was Catholic, and they mm-hmm. had been caught up in the in the riots of uh, of nineteen twenty. And um, you know, the, I think a lot of families, uh, you know, the majority of us, I would say, in in on the island of Ireland, have uh, more complex histories than we sometimes allow. Um, I mean, from the point of view of um, you know, the, this present moment, and uh, and the, one of the reasons why I wrote that book, um, the last Irish question, six into twenty-six, uh, will six into twenty-six ever go? Um, was partly because I I do have family right across the island, and uh, I was um, I'd written a book called Backstop Land, which was. Um, as, the, as the title might suggest, which was looking at uh, the aftermath of the, the Brexit referendum um, from within Northern Ireland, uh, because we seem to be so central to all the discussions um, after that referendum, uh, as might have been predicted before that referendum. Um, but uh, so then as following on from that, um, you know, the, the, with the increased conversation about uh, a referendum on uh, uh, reunification, I thought, to myself, well, I wonder just how uh, prepared the island is, and particularly south of the border, um, how ready are people for what that might entail? And, and um, you know, I was, I was uh, reasonably expecting that in the course of the uh, 11 months of the Brexit transition period from the 1st of February uh, 2020 through to the end of uh, December 2020 that I would be all over the island of Ireland. But then the pandemic hit and uh, I wasn't able to travel quite as extensively as I had hoped. Uh, but nevertheless, I attempted to um, to take the temperature, I suppose, of um, the uh, the preparedness for, for reunification um, in those trips that I was able to make. And of course, the title, it's a play on the old unionist expression that six into 26 won't go. I mean, before you embarked on your journey, Glenn, how open were you to thinking reunification could actually work? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I hate to give away the, the um, you know, <laughs> the, the, the book is, poses a question. The, the last Irish question, will six under 26 ever go? Um, yes. because all things will because history is much much longer than i think we can get our heads around um you know in the in the fullness of time and it's written into the it's written into the rules of the um of the referendum that there's there will be a referendum and if they um the outcome is a no vote then there can be no to reunification there can be another referendum within seven years um and so that goes on every seven years until there's a yes vote now there's nothing in the legislation that says that you can then rerun that after 
seven years to see if uh, if we've changed our minds and it's no. So I think statistically, um, you would look at that and say that somewhere down the line, um, there is a, a high likelihood that there is going to be uh, a vote in favour of uh, a united Ireland. Um, and but I don't I don't think whatever happens next is the um, is the definitive outcome. You know, history doesn't end. Um, uh, when when there is that referendum and uh, a lot of things will happen in the in the millennia beyond our our lifetimes, but uh, but I think that in answer to my own question, mm. uh, the answer is yes, but I don't think it's going to happen uh, anytime soon, and nor do I think from um, you know that the writing this book. Um, and from anything that I've been listening to or um, seeing happen in the in the in the last lot of months, nor do I think that uh, it, would, it would be a good time to have such a referendum now. Interesting. There's a great poll in the Sunday Inter today. It's just very interesting saying 51% would go for a border poll. Obviously, this is in the Republic and 57% if they did vote would vote for it. But obviously, it's very different north of the border. It's interesting, though, even when I'm constantly doing interviews, I love the part of your book where we all have to think about the language we use because you say, you know, before getting into the myriad areas of discussion, you make the point that hackers can be raised even in how we refer to each jurisdiction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, we 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 have. I mean, I I have another book. I just feel like I'm listening to books I've written. But I've have a book called Here's Me Here, uh, which is a collection of newspaper pieces and radio pieces over the years. Um, and it it comes from the fact that people here. Uh, find it more comfortable than talking to each other just to call it here rather than trip over themselves and defend each other by referring to Northern Ireland or Ulster or the North or the field political entity or the six counties or whatever we want to call that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's just here. Um, and, uh, and you, by the way, are down there. Um, and uh, the island over there is over there, and then the United States is way, way, way over there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I, one of the more interesting conversations I had, um, a really, really interesting conversation I had was a Sunday morning uh, in Burr, in County Offaly. Um, I just, uh, I'd stopped my car. I'd been down in Burr for a couple of days. I stopped the car outside St. Brendan's uh, Church of Ireland Church uh, just as I was leaving town uh, next to a sign that said the site of the first uh, road fatality, uh, world's first road fatality. So I had to stop the car to see what that was. And it was right outside St. Brendan's uh, Church of Ireland Church and the congregation was just getting out. <clears throat> and I got into conversation with uh, two men, uh, Michael Hanna and Salter Sterling. Uh, Salter Sterling from, had um, been born in Belfast but been living um uh been living in south since uh, well for over 60 years um and had a really really interesting conversation with them about uh you know about about their lives um uh, they consider themselves irish through and through um and uh and yet they were um both of them um felt that uh Salter Sterling in particular felt that they the uh, kind of parity of esteem conversations that had gone on here in the north um hadn't happened yet um in the south and uh, and he thought we were well he thought that the island was a long way off um really having those conversations um you know he said that he thought that uh, the good friday agreement had in a way, brought about a, a bicultural identity here, and he just thought that hadn't happened. Um, and you know, Michael Hanna actually talked about um, in 
times gone by, he thought that uh, Protestants had just kept their heads down uh, in the south. And, you know, that that wasn't the only time I heard that. Um, and I think that uh, there is, um, you know, there there is a there is something to be a conversation to be had there, a really serious conversation to be had there about how you prepare the ground for a referendum, and don't assume that the answer is going to be yes. And interestingly, Glenn, you also spoke with people in the north or in Northern Ireland, or the six counties, mm. asking them how they'd feel about being part of a 32-county Ireland. I mean, aside, obviously, yeah. from units' obvious objection that they feel yeah. Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, they wouldn't yeah. want to give that up. What other concerns were expressed? Well, I, mean, I think there's, there are concerns around things like pensions, around the health service. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I... I it seems to me that the 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 most likely thing that's going to happen. I I mean I, I think really what we need to do is uh, I I keep hearing this phrase that everything is on the table. Everything is on the table. Mm. Um, but you know what I would say is I don't think we've even begun to assemble the table yet. Uh, I think that the the conversations and the working out of what things might be like uh, really need to happen way before you frame the. Um, the, the terms of a referendum. And as I say, I, I can't say this enough. I think you have to allow that somewhere in that conversation, there has to be um, a way of thinking and imagining what an island, an Ireland that has had a referendum where the majority has been no to reunification what that looks like and how we live together in the aftermath of that. Because one of the things that I think has been left out of this so far by those who argue for a, an early referendum, I think there's a sort of assumption that what you have to do is to persuade unionists that the yes vote isn't going to um, be as catastrophic for them as they fear. Um, and I don't think there's really um, as much thought given to uh, what a no vote might mean um, and how we can still live together um, on the island uh, with that, uh, with Northern Ireland remaining at least for the next seven years after the first referendum, uh, remaining part of the United Kingdom. Do you know what's interesting though, Glenn? I was in um, Belfast covering the elections up there and, uh, you know, for us this is a huge story. But mm. how much of the rest of the United Kingdom care? Like there was nothing, hardly anything about it during the coverage. I mean, I often wonder, I mean, Britain sometimes, it doesn't take a blind bit of notice of the North. And, and in your book, actually, it's demonstrated by that BBC breakfast show where they had to apologise to the DUP, <laughs> remind people of that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it is. It, it, it's 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 true. The, the I mean, the, the it's headline news. Uh, and and again, I can't say this. I can't say this enough. It it, it is a symbolically uh, very important um, uh, moment that Sinn Fein is the is the largest party, um, and uh, and the and the growth of the Alliance Party as well. The continued growth of the mm -hmm. Alliance Party. These are these are big uh, news stories, and ought to be big news stories, as well. But I think some of the nuance. Um, is is uh, less less understood, and uh, you know, like, as I say, the the traditional unionist voice, uh, I, you know, just that keeping an eye on that. I mean, I think that the 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 answer to uh, Britain's interest in it, and I, I'm going to say this is also true to an extent south of the border um, as well. Is uh, you know, there were the troubles, there was the agreement. 
Um, so what are you still going on about? Um, uh, didn't get that. Wasn't that all sorted out? Um, you know, I think very, very few people. When I was writing the Backstop Land book, um, uh, my my editor, um, who's, uh, who's who was born in Dublin, uh, said to me, you know, Neil Belton, great editor um, mm. and uh, great publisher of of uh, nonfiction books from Ireland as well as fiction books from Ireland. I know he did say at one stage, he said it's dizzying the number of agreements there have been since the Good Friday Agreement. Mm. Um, and you know, I don't think I don't know how many people south of the border know that the that if the alliance party had, as, as was uh, some of the polls were predicting uh, right up into the last days of the of the election, if the Alliance Party had been uh, neck and neck with uh, the DUP uh, in first preference votes, if it had returned uh, a higher number of MLAs than the DUP, it still would not have got to nominate for Deputy First Minister because the rule here mm. is that the largest party of the largest denomination gets to vote, gets to uh, be the First Minister, and then the largest party of the second largest denomination gets to nominate the Deputy First Minister. Now, that's not in the Good Friday Agreement. That's in the St Andrews Agreement. The St Andrews Agreement, which was uh, done substantially between the DUP, Sinn Féin, the British and Irish governments. So most of that, uh, you know, what we what we are, our current storm, our current assembly uh, and executive setup is, uh, is dictated much more by the St Andrews Agreement than it is by the Good Friday Agreement. And, you know, th- this was, um, you know, I Things like this, you know, I've been writing for years and years. I'm a fiction writer, I've, you know, far more, I've published far more novels than I have uh, non-fiction books. But in in those, um, you know, non-fiction pieces and newspaper pieces that I've done over the years, I mean, these are some of the things that I, I write about. I think uh, the St. Andrews Agreement was a stitch up for uh, for the rest of us. I think it was the DUP and, uh, and Sinn Féin uh, carving it up between them. Uh, creating the conditions for the two of them to go into power and uh, together and um, and all the rest of the British and the Irish governments uh, were willing to accept that and exclude the rest of the parties. Mm. I mean, the SDLP is taking another hammering at this election. Um, not much spoken about in some of the press that I've um, uh, that I've seen in in recent days. But um, you know, the the Ulster Unionist Party. The SDLP, who, again, I think a lot of people forget this, were the first joint and deputy first ministers, uh, the first executive. Um, the power sharing was the Ulster Unionists and the SDLP. Um, and, you know, they are uh, ever smaller alliances overtaken those, um, you know, what you might call the kind of the the softer nationalist or um, the more moderate nationalist and unionist um, uh, uh, parties. They've um, they have declined as well. Final question to you, Glenn. In your book, your advice to your daughter, it's stark, you know, in the conclusion, you tell her to leave Northern Ireland and apart from visiting her family to think long and hard about ever coming back. I mean, do you really despair mm. of it, the place to that extent, Glenn? I was despairing at the time that I was finishing the book, which was last spring. Um, there had been um, I mean, there had been some 
fairly orchestrated uh, riots um, in Belfast, very close to the city centre. Um, and uh, but nevertheless, there had been there had been rioting, um, and uh, it was it was it was yeah, I was I was feeling pretty bleak. But also still, uh, we were still in in lockdown. But this is a very very this is still a very very divided place. And uh, you know, I, I, as I said, I'm I'm in East Belfast, and I, I am I'm enjoying uh, that feeling of an election that has gone well, um, uh, thanks to a, a, a vote that I was able to cast and feel like it had some effect. So, um, but I also look at those figures, and I still see that um, yes, there are um, there there is still a, a kind of a, a 40-40 unionist nationalist. Um, uh, split my on uh, in the vote um and i think sometimes that translates uh, you don't have to walk very far from um the center of belfast as you will know um from from all the times that you've been here to see mm-hmm. that this is still um, a very divided place um and that there's still an awful lot to do uh to uh to uh, address that um and uh, you know i you know from the point of view again of uh, where this leaves us after the after the election, um, you know, are we? Uh, you know, I heard that yeah. Mary Lou Macdonald yesterday was saying that maybe there would be a, a referendum in five years. I would think that would probably be one of the uh, least well advised things to do uh, in the shorter term. Well, look, Glenn, your book, The Last Irish Question, was six and 26 ever ago. It's a great read. Thanks so much, Glenn, for chatting to us this Thank morning. Thank you so much. Thanks a million. It's been really good talking to you this morning. Thanks. Take care. Mind yourself, Glenn. Have we'll a take good a Sunday, break. Everybody. Yep. You Take too. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1.